0: The
1: Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly view on the stories shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List, and I'm back in Lloyd's List Towers in London this week after my brief visit out to Asia for the last edition. Regular listeners will recall that I was out in Hong Kong last week with our China editor Sichen Chen, and I'm delighted to say he's joined us again this week. Hi, Sichen. Hi, Richard. Uh, I'm uh, here in London with our markets editor, Max Lynn, and our containers editor, James Baker. Hello, chaps. Hello. Hello. And uh, Hello. finally joining me all the way from our East London office, I've got our senior correspondent, David Osler. Hello, David. Hi there. Um, a busy week for shipping, I think. Um, and I know the newsroom is uh, currently abuzz with talk of yet another cyber attack, this time at Costco. Uh, but before we get on to that, I want to pick up on the latest uh, trade war spat. Um, Last week's podcast, Sishan and I were talking about how the the mood had shifted in Shanghai uh, and previously bullish uh, noises from uh, ship owners out there dismissing tariffs as something of a sideshow turned into genuine concern. I get on a plane, I come back and a few days later, the focus is uh, on the EU side. Um, But this time it's good news. Um, They've declared a ceasefire. Agreeing to work together on eliminating transatlantic trade barriers for many industrial goods, making positive noises about reforming the WTO. What um, appears to be a, a fairly significant victory for the EU, the two sides have uh, put on hold any uh, new tariffs, including fresh duties uh, being threatened by Mr. Trump on auto parts, uh, while discussions are proceeding. Um, David, let's start with you, if you don't mind. You've been pretty consistent in arguing that um, tit for tat protectionism is uh, not a good look, and you'd actually pinned your hopes on the EU acting like the grown-ups in the room. Um, do you think that's what's happened here?
0: Well, we're still at the talks about talks stage, let's not forget. Um, there is no deal signed as yet, but yes, this is a big improvement on the mood music, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it like. And I think that, uh, yeah, it's also interesting to me that Trump has backed down against Brussels. And that opens up the question of whether he would do so against China. I and mean, is he really just engaging in bull in a China shop, negotiating tactics, or is he now open to cutting a deal?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. I mean, you know, Max, from, from your side, I mean, you're obviously looking at this in terms of the, the, the trade implications for shipping. Um, I mean, we we've spoken in the past about uh, implications for LNG, uh, but also soybeans back in the agenda now as well. So for, for dry bulk, there's a story there as well. What's your initial take on this, bearing in mind that you know this is probably more political rhetoric than uh, actual impact on trade at this stage?
3: Mm, exactly. I mean, obviously, I think there is some uh, optimism. Things that. Uh, Based on the agreement, uh, the European Union is uh, planning to buy more soya beans and uh, LNG from the US. And, uh, I mean, based on the uh, past uh, record, and uh, we can find actually the US uh, penetration in Europe uh, is not very big. In 2017, uh, based on the Informa IEGVU data, uh, U.S. exported fifty-five point six million tons of soybean, and uh, the biggest European buyer was uh, Netherlands, uh, who took only two point nine million tons. Um, so obviously, that uh, there would be some good news. I mean, if Euro is indeed to, uh, going to buy more soybean from the U.S., but we have also taken into consideration that. Uh, the European Union is not going to force uh, European companies uh, to buy uh, U.S. soybeans in, in any other in, in any other means than uh, commercial ways. And so, I mean, the price of the U.S. soybeans need to be competitive in order for European buyers uh, to purchase those cargoes. I mean, otherwise, they can just uh, turn their back and to buy, say, soybean from ukraine or like from russia so i mean most of the singers still need to be done on a commercial basis and the same goes for the lng as well
2: mm. yeah i mean this is the thing i mean it, you know it's all very well big political statements coming out uh, and it, it's interesting to interpret in terms of the sort of political mood music but Ultimately, the deals are going to be signed on a on a bilateral basis between companies. I wonder what extent these political decisions are actually going to have on on real trade.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, for now, I mean the U.S. soybean price is actually quite cheap uh, because China, who was the largest buyer of U.S. soybean, and uh, it 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 imported about uh, thirty-two million tons last year from the U.S. Uh, is turning away from U.S. because they have some issues in terms of bilateral uh, trading relations that we discussed before. Mm. So obviously it would be quite good for U.S. farmers uh, to find more outlets. And uh, obviously the European could emerge as a destination. And I can can imagine that maybe some uh, European companies uh, would actually Buy a little bit more from the U.S., but I think that would be purely because of the the cargo from the U.S. is cheap and the, the quality is decent. Can mm. be the demand, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some European company come out and uh, after they're buying some cargos and they just to do some uh, PR shows uh, with Brussels. But I mean, as you just mentioned, everything is to Come back to
2: the commercial perspective. Mm. And what you mentioned, LNG. What what was your reading of that situation? Um, so I mean, obviously
3: the U.S. gas producers are increasing their output, and if they can sell to Europe, there would be a very good market for land. I mean, Europe, after all, is still the world's largest uh, natural gas uh, consuming region. But I mean, for the past year, uh, actually in the year to June 2018. Uh, less than ten percent of U.S. LNGs exports went to Europe, uh, based on the data from Roadless Intelligence. Mm. Uh, we are seeing like lots of U.S. LNG cargos went to places like uh, South America and uh, Asia, but in Europe, uh, the competitiveness of the Russian pipeline gas is still much stronger. Uh, so obviously, like I think the U.S. gas producer would be quite happy if Trump can really help them increase sales to Europe. But at mm. the same time, I would imagine like the consumers in Europe, like the power plants, uh, they are not just going to do more U.S. energy deal mm. uh, simply because of those uh, political talks. I mean, they obviously, because I mean, if they are increasing. Uh, LNG from the US and paying more price and then the, those costs will eventually be bypassed to mm. the consumers well like for for example like people who sit in these uh, rooms in London I mean we might be needing to pay more and guess I mean we might need to pay pay more for our heating I mean if we, there's really European company going to buy uh u.s energy simply because of political talks
1: mm,
2: okay well thanks max i'm um, i mean uh, building on our conversation from last week in terms of the china u.s uh, trade talks obviously we we noted how how the the mood had changed there i mean probably a little bit early to say but i mean would you would you see any significance in terms of the eu u.s relationship thawing a little bit and the impact it might have on china
1: uh yeah uh, apparently i think uh You know, uh, it has been said that China is trying to win the EU, you know, during uh, for this trade spat uh, against the U.S., but it seems to be that it doesn't really work out, at least for now. Um, So, well, uh, you know, some analysts have already said that, uh, you know, the deal signed between the U.S. and the EU today actually would allow President Trump to take a more focused uh, approach with regard to China. So on one side, you probably the, 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 pro, the prospects probably have brightened in terms of the uh, relation between U.S. and the E.U., but on the other side, then uh, the outlook for China, uh, for the spat between China and the U.S. might actually uh, become bleaker. So that's the, the downside of the story. But, but it's still uh, difficult to say. I mean, the deal signed between the EU and the U.S. actually might force China uh, to soften its stance to deal with uh, the U.S. For shipping, it actually might not be a good news because that means... You know, the, the trade spat, the, the standstill currently that we're seeing now might actually be uh, solved, uh, you know, sooner as expected. OK,
2: well, we will certainly keep an eye on that one. And um, while we are in China, um, let's have a talk about Costco, because they were hit by a cyber attack this week that's uh, apparently disabled the uh, company's US website and email systems. Now the company says that the uh, the incident hasn't disrupted its global shipping operations and uh, statements to that effect uh, are claiming that uh, things are stable. The fact that the statements are being issued via its Facebook page and the company's communicating with its customers via social media and Yahoo accounts suggests that they're perhaps not quite there yet. We will see. Um, Sitchin, coming back to you, you, uh, you and James, you've both been covering this story. It's, it's, it's one of those stories that's developing as, we, as we're talking now, so we haven't got all the details. But um, w- what's the significance here, do you think? Uh, James, let's start with you.
4: Well, I think the the main significance here is that it, it's showing the, the fragility of um, shipping when it comes to these sorts of attacks. Uh, Where, what, one year on almost to the day from when a similar thing happened at Maersk and APM terminals. Um, they were hit by the Nopetia ransomware attack um, we seem to have another ransomware ransomware attack this time as well uh, the delivery method's not known I don't think it's as malicious perhaps as the not pitiful one was mm. but we seem to be in the, the same situation where a large shipping company has managed to leave itself exposed to a you know a fairly major attack. Um, we don't have any idea yet what this is going to cost, what the outcome will be for for Costco. But we do know that the one that hit Merck last year was uh, worth about three hundred million and yeah, costs. It was, it was an
2: expensive one, and at the time that was the one that that, that really woke a lot of people up to the dangers here. I mean, well, did
4: it? I mean, this is the whole thing. Everyone, uh, in the aftermath of Merck said, like, gosh, shock. We need to do something about our IT, mm. but. Here we have, you know, the, what's now now becoming the third biggest container line in the world, Costco Shipping, is not able to protect
1: its own systems. Um,
2: what's what's Costco saying, Sir John? You've been on uh, talking to them today. What's what's the response?
1: Well, the response uh, is, of course, they're working very hard at, uh, trying to uh, recover the systems as soon as possible. The interesting thing is that, uh, I mean, according to the statement released today, which is the latest one, they're saying that. Uh, you know, they have done some precaution measures uh, uh, on computer inspections um, uh, actually uh, outside of the, the U.S. and American regions. Um, and they have now actually recovered. Well, they, they, they've actually um, managed to recovered all the uh, non-America's uh, network Uh, yesterday afternoon Beijing time after getting the security approval from the technician teams but uh, so far if you you check on their uh, UK websites as well as their turkey websites uh, I mean those two websites are still down so um, you know there there's some concerns actually in the market that uh, the um, uh, the the IT problem might be expanded further Uh, beyond the U.S. and American region.
2: So we'll have to wait and see some of the details that come out from, from, from China. But David, I mean, as our insurance expert and somebody that's been covering the, the, the cyber issue for some time, what's your view in terms of whether enough has been done to tighten up the industry? And and what's the sort of the insurance implications here as far as you see them?
0: Well, I attended only a couple of weeks back a seminar on this very question that uh, was well attended and raised some interesting questions. There are recommendations and guidelines out there by various bodies, um, one produced by BIMCO jointly with Intertanker, Intertanko and uh, Intercargo, and there was an IMO resolution last year, but so far they're at the stage of guidelines and recommendations. Um, nothing firm, so that is something that we're going to have to look at. Um, I think the marine insurance industry is going to be pretty keen to push cyber policies, um, cyber risk policies. And I think that's something the prudent ship owner should look at. It's not entirely clear that all your losses are going to be covered under existing policies. And you may very well wish to protect yourself by buying an insurance product that will give you guaranteed cover.
2: Okay. Well, thank you, Dave. And thank you, everybody. We will obviously be keeping a close eye on the uh, developing story of uh, both the EU, US and China trade spats, but also what happens with the Costco uh, cyber attacks. Uh, Keep tuned to loislist.com for further reports and reactions. And we will see you next week for another edition of the Lloyd's List podcast. In the meantime, uh, could I urge all listeners to go and have a look at LloydsList.com and follow the instructions for the Lloyds List Awards. The global awards are open for entry. So if you are the best of the best, if you work for a company that has a good story to tell, now is the time to tell us all about them. Uh, LloydsList.com slash awards. We'll see you next week.